Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Have you ever wondered what it is the wicked could do to the believer? I mean, have you ever thought about that? What a wicked person or wickedness in the world, uh, what it could do to those that follow Christ, to those that have chosen Christ, to those that have accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord. You know, I've got an encouraging message here today uh, because it, it looks at not just what the believer um, goes through, uh, which is encouraging knowing that we're not alone. Uh, one believer isn't suffering while everyone else is believing in Jesus having a field day. It's, uh, it's, it's good to know uh, that, that others there are traveling on this hard-fought path. But also, it's encouraging because, look, I'm going to give you the end at the beginning, if that's okay. I hope you won't turn me off. But uh, it's also encouraging because we have the victory. Amen? We have victory in this world. And uh, as a preacher, I think it's my job to give you that, that good news that we have victory in Jesus today. Amen? So firstly here, I want to look at the destructive nature of wickedness and why God allows it. Psalm 14.4, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? Well, that's straight to the point, isn't it? Uh, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? All those that are working sin, are they uh, dumb? Do they not have a brain? Do they not know what they're doing as they eat up the people like they eat bread and they don't call in the name of the Lord? I mean, look, a worker of sin is both hurting the godly and denying God in the process. That's what this uh, psalm is saying. A worker of sin, they are hurting God's own when they are oppressing God's people, uh, when, when they are uh, harassing God's people, when they're passing God's uh, people over, uh, maybe for a job opportunity or for uh, some kind of uh, supposed blessing, when they're passing over the believer, uh, they don't want to invite them to the Christmas party or they don't want to have them over for dinner or they don't want to uh, give them a ride and they pass them over and they don't want to sit there and talk to them because they'll feel maybe uh, guilty for how they act and they pass them over. And so number one, they're, they're working sin in their, uh, in their lives and they're hurting those that believe in God. That's not good. That's a transgression against God. You don't want to hurt who God loves. Amen. And at the same time, what are they doing? What is this Psalm saying? Psalm 14, 4. What is it saying? It's saying they're denying God in the process. It asks, uh, you know, uh, have all the workers of iniquity, no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. So in the process, they're not only sinning by hurting the believer, they are sinning by not recognizing that these are God's people, amen? They're not recognizing God in the process. Oh, this is so foolish. It's a mistake on both counts. Uh, to oppress uh, the godly is a huge mistake, a huge error, a miscalculation. And at the same time, to do that and, and uh, really admit that you're not fearing God, that you don't think on God as someone powerful enough to just stop giving you breath, stop giving you life, you're not giving God re reverence, that is not good, amen? That is not good at all. And it's destructive. Now, here's the question. To, the, to an outsider looking in, they may say, well, it's destructive to the believer because they're being oppressed. But here's the question. Who is it really destructive to? Because we know that all things work together for good uh, for those that love the Lord. Amen. That's Romans 8, 28, or at least part of it. 
And we know the wages of sin is what? Death. And so as those that oppress God's own, they are sinning and the wages of sin is death. They will experience that uh, consequence. The Bible word might be recompense for their action. Without God, would they have been born? So now not only are these people that are hurting God's uh, chosen, God's uh, saved uh, uh, people that are trying to live for the Lord, not only are they hurting them, not only are they denying God, but now they're not even recognizing who God is. They're not even giving reverence to their own maker. And they're hurting the ones that love him and denying his sovereign power. So all around, this keeps getting worse and worse. You see the slippery slope of sin. You see uh, why sin is is treated so severely in the Bible and and how it took uh, God's only begotten son to die on the cross to save us from such sin. Because the wickedness, the the, the depravity in man is so deep and so far-rooted that that uh, a sin, a, a prejudice against a believer can turn from that into a denial of God and can turn from that even into uh, forsaking the one that made them, the one that gave them uh, food on their table, that gave them breath in their lungs, that gave them clothes to wear, amen, that gave them a life and that gave them a heartbeat and one day that will judge them, amen. But we see it. We see it, don't we? We see it in today's society over and over again. You see it uh, in in um, modern political culture. If you believe in uh, biblical values, you're labeled what? A fundamentalist. And then what goes along with being a fundamentalist? Well, now you're called a, a bigot. You're called a narrow-minded. Uh, you, you know, you're called uh, ancient and all these other things. And you're set aside. You're laughed at. But what we realize is that living for God is not part of this world. So again, as we are uh, marginalized and pushed to the side and so on and so forth, it's just emboldening God's word all the more because God had explained to us in his word time and again that we are a called out people, that we're a set apart people, that we are not to live for this world or the things of this world. So if the world was accepting us, it would make God's word that much harder to discern. But because the world rejects us and rejects us for believing in what God says is true, which is offensive to man, and the gospel is very offensive to man, amen. Uh, and because of that, it's a divided country. That's what Jesus said. He said he came to divide with a sword. He came to divide. And certainly it's divided. Amen. Have you lost friends, loved ones, family for, because of your faith? I know I have. Uh, I, I, at one point, uh, had a fair bit of friends and a pretty large uh, extended family. And most of that's gone now. Amen. And I'm preaching God's word. And, and I'm thankful that the Lord gives me an opportunity, opportunity to preach his word and an opportunity to uh, face persecution because the Bible says that I should rejoice. Amen. Uh, that I should rejoice when I'm persecuted. And, uh, and, I, and I do. I honestly do. I rejoice in Jesus. Uh, I'll be honest, we were soul winning, knocking on doors uh, before the pandemic hit. And one man, he said he's going to call the police and he got red in the face and he looked like he was on the phone with the police. And I was, uh, I was almost giggling in the car and, and my wife was saying, oh, I want to, I want to roll down the window and say something to him. I said, honey, no, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. This is good. This is good. We are, we are uh, living what God has called us to do. Amen. We are experiencing uh, a blessing because this shows us the truth in God's word. Amen. And and it shows that we're on the right path. Amen. And so the result, the destructive nature of the wickedness, it, it destroys the wicked. It destroys the wicked. And why does God allow it? 
Oh, why does God allow it? It brings people to them. Amen. To him. It brings people to him. We see time and time again that those that go to God, God preserves them over and over again. You can look at David versus Goliath. You can look at the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. You can look at Daniel in the lion's den. You can look at uh, Joseph in Egypt. You see time and time again these biblical stories, especially in the Old Testament, of how uh, the saints of God are brought into an evil, treacherous place. They're being persecuted. They're being uh, hurt. And then what does it do? It drives them closer to God. Amen. And then as they get closer to God, what does God do? He delivers them from that evil. And you say, Brother Clark, where is that in the New Testament? Oh, it's in the cross of Calvary. Amen. It's with Jesus dying for our sins. Amen. It's it's for the fact that if we are to live like Jesus, that we must take up our cross and to know that if they hate us, they first hated him. Amen. That we are to live for him, that we are to uh, die to ourselves. Amen. Now, how's that going to be true if we don't face persecution? How's that going to be true if we don't face wickedness? You see how God can use wickedness to uh, mold in the, in the fiery furnace, to mold that clay, uh, to shape that clay so that we are more like Jesus. I mean, think about what the word Christian means. It means Christ-like. Think about the, the goal of a believer. You're in church. What do you want to do? You want to glorify God. You want to praise God. You want to be like uh, Christ as you're called to be like Christ and live like Christ. Well, hey, if you want to be like Christ, you want to live like Christ, you need to get persecuted. You need some wickedness to come your way. I mean, if you get into a lot of the gospels, oh my goodness, you just see that uh, over and over again, the, 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 the tense um, confrontations with the Pharisees and the scribes and the, the wickedness in high places, and they were trying to trap Jesus, and they wanted to kill Jesus, and they desired uh, to get rid of him, and they, they, they were absolutely offended by him. And now here we are, we're preaching his word, we're living for him, and we are also uh, being uh, pushed down, being uh, uh uh, abused in some ways, but it's all for our good because it drives us closer to the Lord. It makes us depend more on him, which I'll get to a little bit more uh, in a bit. And it, God allows this wickedness for our good. As I said, Romans eight twenty eight. we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, because he has a plan. Amen. He has a plan. You know, uh, a movie that really blessed me, and I can't think of the name of it right now, but it was made in 2011, and it was in partnership with Voice of the Martyrs, uh, and uh, it um, profiled international uh, international persecution of the church. And I always like watching these clips or reading about it. And the reason why I like reading about it or watching the clips is even though they're tough to stomach sometimes, or even though it's tough to read some of these stories because uh, it tears you up, at the same time, it makes you grateful. And at the same time, it shows uh, just what God can do, amen, out of just horrific situations. And at the same time, it shows us that we truly are in the last days, amen. And uh, there's three examples I saw in this uh, movie the other night that I wanted to share. Uh, one uh, was there was a sin, there was a great evil, there's a persecution in India. There was a pastor there in India, and he had been uh, witnessing and preaching the gospel there in India. And India, you know, is a mainly a Hindu state. They worship uh, through the Hindu religion many, many gods, all fake false gods that are dead, amen, and 
and they don't like the living God, Jesus Christ. Come on now. Uh, but they, this, this preacher over there was, uh, and he's a native to India. So Indian man He's preaching the gospel and some young boys, some, uh, I guess what they call Hindu extremists, uh, which is weird because I thought it was supposed to be a passive religion. I guess not. They got some canes and some clubs and about seven or eight of them, uh, buzzed on the door and pretended they wanted to talk to him. And then they kind of all stormed in. And I guess somebody had a hidden camera that was able to film it. So it was in this documentary and oh man, they beat the, the daylights out of this man. And they were younger, uh, uh, you know, I probably had more energy and more spry and they just kind of just handed it to this, uh, preacher and he's got his hands in the air and he's screaming Jesus and he's getting beat. And I'm watching this thinking, Oh Lord, why don't you just strike these kids dead? But, uh, the Lord didn't, the Lord allowed that man to take a good beating. And, uh, he got the kids out of there and that man with a bloody mouth went outside and started praising Jesus. And guess what happened? Woo, guess what happened? The whole village started looking at him. They're saying, who's this guy? He's got blood from his mouth and he's praising his God and he's talking about Jesus. Oh, that got their attention, didn't it? Amen. Uh, I heard uh, once uh, preaching that about uh, in there with Jonah in the belly of the whale, that when he went to go preach after that, uh, that he was green from being in the whale or blue, or there was some discoloring from actually being in the whale and that everybody paid attention to him. And that was what uh, led to that great repentance there. Uh, and, and, you know, when I think of that, when I think of that, and I think of that's how God used uh, that situation to get people's attention. And I see that that great man of God there in India preaching the gospel with blood dripping down his mouth. And that's God's love. That's God's love for the, the, the kids that beat him. That's God's love for the village. That's God's love for you and I. It's God's love for the whole world. Amen. Is that the gospel be preached so that all could accept Jesus Christ before it's too late. And maybe a lot of people were just kind of putting this pastor, uh, ignoring him or kind of just letting him kind of do his thing. And they weren't really listening to him and they were following their culture and their tradition. And he had to get bloodied up to preach Jesus, but he's still preaching. Amen. And I praise God for his recovery. And I praise God for that testimony. And I saw just the working of God, that it was for his good. And 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 this man's testimony is not just locally in India, but now it's in the movie. And now many thousands, maybe millions have seen it. Amen. And that's what God is doing when sin occurs. Another one happened in Colombia, the country of Colombia. And there was a area there where the FARC, the rebels, uh, they were uh, uh, controlling an area and they told this pastor, you're causing too much tension. We don't like the crowds. We don't want the, we don't want the attention on you and your gospel message. You need to leave or we're going to kill you. And he said, I'm not leaving. They said, we're going to take you out. He said, I'm not leaving. They came one day, knocked on his door and executed him. And it was just gut-wrenching. A young man with young kids and a and a, a family and his wife. And it was absolutely gut-wrenching to see this happen. And yet as this man was martyred out for his faith, uh, the wife, the quote the wife said uh, was, you know, at his funeral, she goes, I don't know if it was a funeral or a festival because there were so many people there just praising God and screaming hallelujah. And again, you see that sin had caused this destruction, but now you see this man is in glory with God. He's martyred out. He's got great reward for that, I'm sure. He's living up there with uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And here on earth, there has been great attention brought to his cause. There has been great, uh, uh, I'd like to believe, revival in that community for what happened. His children are steadfast. His son still wants to be a preacher, preacher even more than uh, when his dad was alive. His wife is testifying. What a testimony she has. And God gets all the glory and attention is brought 
to there. And the last story they, they put in this documentary was a sin that was in Egypt that happened where there was persecution of a lady from a very young age. She had got saved and gave her, uh, gave her heart to Christ, believed in Christ and was saved. And she was saved. Uh, you know, her mom had helped lead her to the Lord and she was in Egypt and there's a Muslim country and they're trying to repress her and her dad's trying to oppress her. And then her, uh, her arranged marriage, her husband's trying to oppress her. And it was just awful. It went on for years. She finally gets to America with her kids and she's on the run. It goes on and on. And then uh, it ends with this idea where she ends up uh, somewhere, I think, in the Midwest. And she marries a man. Her kids are grown up. Everyone's okay. She's involved in church and she has a ministry. And oh, by the way, she started a satellite television show that reaches 50 million uh, uh, women in Muslim countries every week. Amen. Glory to God. So this sin, this repression that was used against her was actually used to birth a great testimony that was used to eventually reach many, many women that are probably going through that same kind of oppression, facing that same, those same kind of questions that nobody maybe could communicate with them as well as she could. And Lord had, had worked that great thing out, uh, that wonderful thing out just from her faithfulness and from this oppression. And so maybe you're going through something today and there's wickedness uh, uh, just all over you. There's problems, there's persecution, there's uh, maybe there's a health concern, maybe there's uh, debts you can't pay, maybe there's a, a, a family problem, a problem with a friend, a problem at work. God can and will use it for your good if you love the Lord. If you've been saved here today, if you love the Lord, he can and will use it for your good. I promise you that. These stories I told you, they're true, and they're great uh, stories of, of Christians around the world, but that doesn't mean that God's done blessing us here in the United States. It's not it doesn't mean that God's done blessing us here that believe in him, that are living for him, that no matter what's going on around us, pandemic, no pandemic, political problems, no political problems, uh, economic problems, no economic, economic problems on and on and on. No matter what is going on, the Lord Jesus Christ is still here with us. And that's the enduring protection that God provides in the face of wickedness. I told you about how the wickedness is destructive to the ones that act wicked and why God allows it. It draws us closer to him and it works everything for our good and for his plan. Amen. And then the enduring protection that God provides in the face of wickedness. Psalm 16, 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. We are the most protected when we are giving the most time to God. Have you ever thought about that? We are the most protected when we're giving the most time to God. And you say, well, well, why is that? Well, think about this. When is your mind the strongest? Well, when you're close to him, right? How? Through prayer, fellowship, Bible study, evangelism, Christian service, all of these things together, that's when things are the really the easiest for us as believers in the sense that we're facing the least maybe amount of temptation, the, the least amount of uh, desire to sin because we're just so yoked up with God. We're just so separate from the world. We're just so into the ways of God. And, and you know, I, I don't know. I mean, this is just me speaking uh, from my experience. There seems to be kind of some kind of holy momentum that just gains a little bit of steam when we start spending time in the ways of God and the things of God. Amen. When we draw nigh to him, what does the Bible say? He draws 
nigh to us. When we get close to him, he's going to get close to us. When we say, God, you know what? I'm marking it out. I wake up, I get my eyes open uh, and I'm ready to go. I'm going to mark it out right here. I'm going to open your word, God. I'm going to pray to you and I'm going to open your word. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to study this thing. I'm going to look at every word. I'm going to look at every comma, period, every kind of punctuation. I'm going to look things up I don't understand. I'm going to double down on this. I'm going to share this with a friend. I'm going to pray over this and I'm going to treat this as a very important task. The most important thing I do every day. You know, when you start acting like that, uh, in Bible reading, in prayer, when you get in your prayer closet, when you, you know, uh, you could have a stool or something, you get down on the floor, uh, your mattress, etc. get face down on, on the floor, give it to God. When you start really praying, not just like a ritual prayer, but you know what I'm saying, like passionately praying to God, giving him his rightful due. Amen. When you get that attitude of gratitude, come on now, when you get the attitude of gratitude, you start saying, saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I mean, can you imagine if you just spent a whole day thanking God for everything he's blessed you with? Can you imagine at the end of that day, temptation comes creeping down the, the way and you say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go near that. You know, temptation comes knocking at the door. You go, get out of here. I just spent 12 hours telling God, thank you for all he's done for me. And now you want me to go sin against that God? No, thank you. Amen. You know, when we are saved, when we're, uh, when we give our hearts to Jesus, when we believe on him, when we truly believe on the death, burial, and resurrection at the cross of Mount Calvary, when we do that, when we get saved, we've got no business rightfully, or excuse me, intentionally living in sin. We've got no business doing that. We have to live for God wholeheartedly. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean we won't sin. We're still in this flesh. We're still a, a fallen creature uh, living in a fallen world. But we are saved, we are made new, and we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And what I'm saying is there's no reason to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to have that Holy Spirit working in us. We want to be used by God. We want to be fully repentant before God, right? So in Psalm 16:8, I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Number one, we are most protected when we are giving the most time to him, okay? So we protect ourselves by getting close to God and staying close to God. Secondly, we, we see here in Psalm 16, 8, it references uh, that God is at uh, the psalmist's right hand. He is at my right hand. The right hand symbolizes strength and sovereignty and protection. Who is stronger than God? This is a faith issue. Either faith enough to stand firm in knowing God will provide or walk away from him. Which is it? You know, with God right there to guide us. You know, there's a, another scripture where God uh, takes us by by the right hand. You know, when we give our uh, hand to Jesus, when we say guide us, that's like my uh, little, um, I was thinking he's almost four, but my little three-year-old boy, CJ, Clark Jr., amen. I love this boy. He's my only uh, little son here, amen. Everybody else get a little bit older. And uh, CJ, when he grabs my hand, you know, that hand is, is, is tight, but it's also kind of loose. And what I mean by that is he's saying, daddy, lead me. Daddy, you want to take me over here? I'll go over here. You want to take me over there? I'll go over there. He's not resisting where we're going. He's trusting his dad. Well, the same way that CJ gives me his hand like that, we need to give that hand to the Lord. We, we hold on firmly, but then we let him guide us. We, we have his strength and his sovereignty and his protection. We understand who he is and we have faith in him. You know, in the face of wickedness, we have faith in God that there's a reason that it happened and that the reason advances his kingdom. The reason is, is good for us. The reason will build faith uh, in us. It'll build patience in us. It'll grow our uh, testimony and our witness and it'll, and it'll help us 
We have to understand that when wickedness comes our way, there's a reason for it. I couldn't think of a circumstance, and for time and probably other reasons, I'm not going to share that circumstance with you today, but I can think of a circumstance that had puzzled me for a while and frustrated me greatly, and I just gave it to God. And I still may not know the whole reason why a certain thing had happened the way it did. It was kind of something, if I told you, you'd probably think was silly, but but God knows why it happened. It frustrated me for a while, and now I just, I just know, and I don't know the exact reason why, but I know that it's for my good, it's for his glory. And so I give it to him. I trust him. And then finally in Psalm 16, 8, it says, I shall not be moved. We shall not be moved. The wicked can only take earthly things from us. There's nothing of spiritual value the wicked can take. Don't fear. Don't fear death. Don't feel hurt. Don't, don't, don't fear hardship. Don't fear anything. Nothing of eternal value will be lost. Not an ounce. You know, the wicked, have you ever thought about that? The wicked, they can't take away the things of God. They can't pull God out of your heart. They can't remove you from God. The Bible clearly says that no man can pluck us from his hand. Amen. So what can they do? They can't do anything, right? The Bible also says don't even fear death. Why don't fear death? Because uh, we shouldn't fear this earthly death. We should fear the second death, which is the one that can send us to heaven or hell. We know if we're saved, we're going to heaven with him. So we know we must live for him and not be afraid. Amen. That's the fear is the devil's uh, handiwork. It's the devil's tool to get us here, there, and everywhere. But the Bible tells us that we were not given the spirit of uh, fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. And finally here today, the standard we are to uphold under oppression. So I told you about uh, the destructive nature of wickedness and why God allows it, the enduring protection God provides in the face of wickedness, and finally the standard we are to uphold under oppression. Yes, God is a standard for us. There is a standard we need to keep even when things aren't going great. Psalm 39.1, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. All right, so what's a bridle? It's like the bridle and the bit in the horse's mouth. It is restrained. And here this uh, psalm is saying that the psalm is saying, I will keep myself restrained while the wicked is before him. While the wicked is before us, we must be under restraint. We must make a conscious effort uh, to bridle our thoughts in the face of evil. And this takes work. Well, why does it take work? Because when we're in the face of evil, our mind is going to gravitate towards uh, the evil that we're in front of, maybe the fears that we have, maybe uh, the fleshly desires of retaliation or vengeance. Um, you know, when I first saw that video clip I mentioned earlier of the young men going in there uh, to uh, try to beat the pastor, I first thing I said, uh, and I admit that was not right. I said, let, let me in there for five minutes. I wanted to get, I mean, I'm a guy that uh, doesn't uh, shy away from confrontation or used to not shy away from physical confrontation. I wished I was in there to, to be by his side, but someone much, much greater than me was there. Amen. That's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And as I mentioned, there was a reason for that affliction that had to happen. And at the same time, we must bridle our thoughts. We must put them in subjection to Christ. We must put them under the, the lens of Scripture and God's Word. That's how God speaks to us, and that's why it's so beneficial to be in His Word every day. So we must make a conscious effort to bridle our thoughts in the face of evil. We must uh, be, be strong but in control. 
And secondly, we must make a conscious effort to bridle our words in the face of evil. And this takes work, work as well, because even when we're thinking, okay, we're not going to say this, we're not going to do this, uh, it just comes out. Oh, I just said something. I just alluded to it. I, I just gave a little breadcrumb, and now I'm going off about it. We must bridle our thoughts. Meekness is, is like strength under control. We must be meek. We must have our thoughts, and we must have our words under control. Because, why? Because... If we don't do this, we give the enemy reason to uh, hurt our Christian witness, reason to doubt uh, the the sovereignty and holiness of God, reason to uh, disrupt uh, the great testimony that God would use through us. And that is why we must bridle our thoughts and our words uh, and we not sin not with our tongue, as the psalmist says, in uh, when the wicked is before us. And finally here today... This is just for a season. We live in restraint for a season. This is for a season. Amen. In eternity, the bridle is gone. And I had to make sure I had to grab some scripture, make sure I didn't say this uh, inappropriately. In eternity, the bridle is gone. We don't need to bridle our thoughts or our mind or our words in eternity because there is no sin in heaven. Amen. There's no sin where we are going. Those that are saved, those that have accepted Jesus as Savior, there is no sin there. When uh, Colossians uh, 3, 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. We're going to be with Christ in glory. Revelation 21, 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. Amen. The former things are passed away. Sin is passed away. We don't need the bridle. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, which begs the question from Philippians 1.6, what happens on the day of Jesus Christ? He'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, if being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, Jesus Christ our Lord, okay, will uh, perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, then what happens on that day? Well, that work then becomes complete. Then we are completely glorified, amen? Then we have complete uh, salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, and we are perfect in our uh, glorified body. We're with him, amen? We're in heaven for an eternity. In heaven, the old sin nature is gone, and we can't sin, and we won't sin. Thus, we won't need a bridle. Uh, That's going to be amazing, amen? I'm running out of time here, but glory to God. Stand strong in the face of wickedness, Understand why God allows it. Understand that he will protect us. Get close to him and keep up that high standard under oppression. And Jesus will be our prize. Amen.